Craig Bolanos, you watch a lot of movies. Are you up on these Oscar picks? I am completely embarrassed. I am no longer a man of the world, John, because while I've seen Top Gun Maverick 27 times, I haven't seen half of the other flicks that you just mentioned on your list. <laughs> you Have you seen Top Gun more than once? Promise me you I, have. I just told you I've seen it 27 times. Absolutely. And don't forget the original Top Gun from 86. Don't remember a fan favorite called Iron Eagle that should have gotten an Oscar back in the day. I'm teasing. But you can tell I like action flicks. So that's where I'm coming from. I just want you to establish the fact that you haven't seen Maverick 27 times. I am most likely have seen Maverick close to 27 times. Well, maybe not the full feature length, John, but at least the action sequence at the end, which is a resounding 48 minutes supported by a heart-pumping soundtrack at the very end. It just makes for good cinema when you have nothing else to do but watch TV in the basement at home. And for those of you who haven't seen the movie, we won't spoil how it ends, but I think it was a a really... uh, I did not know what was going to happen to Maverick. I did not know what was going to happen to Tom Cruise uh, in this mission. So I did that did keep me on the edge of my seat. And I completely agree with you about the, the action sequence. That was just dynamite. It was absolutely dynamite. I thought that movie was nothing more than a love affair to aviation. And I actually do not know if there is going to be another movie made like that any time in the next decade or so. So I think that's a rallying cry for people to get reinvolved in aviation. It was fantastic. But I think we got to talk about two big events. One, the jobs data that just came out this morning, the oh, yeah. failure of the bank, and then we've got CPI out next week. Okay, let's do that then. Stock futures have edged up after this crucial jobs report. What did the report say? What does it mean? Well, at the end of the day, here's what we got. We got wages to grow the slowest that they have month over month since February of 2022. And who would think that slow growing wages is good, but that means that some of the work that the Federal Reserve is doing to tighten interest rates is actually working. We saw the unemployment rate actually jump from 3.4 to 3.6. That's all about labor participation. But the bottom line, the headline number was after last month's massive jobs gain of more than half a million, we did still create more than 311,000 new jobs in this country. And while that's good because everyone wants to put Americans to work, I think most people know Wall Street would be thrilled if we could get that jobs data month after month to be sub 200, because that would be proof that the full effect of these interest rates are finally hitting home. We're talking to Craig Bolanos, the co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group. Invest with WMG.com as the website. Craig, you were talking about those jobs numbers a minute ago. What else is on your radar today? Well, I think what else is on the radar is when was the last time did we have a bank fail and have to have the FDIC step in? to make depositors whole. And that's what we've all seen with SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, this very Friday. There, and what what bank is that? I've never heard of them before. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, this was an absolutely 
stunning 48 hours, which gave people a reminder of the financial crisis back in the day, 08 and 09. But I want to remind everybody that Silicon Valley Bank, yes, you've never heard of it. It's a small bank that primarily did all of its lending, all of its depositor base into that technology, biotech, healthcare startup place out in California. And this is not systemic. This is just, again, another reason that people should have diversity, not just in their portfolios, but banks need to have diversity in their customer base. Otherwise, runs on the bank sometimes can and do occur. So the Fed is trying to keep inflation in check. That's why you are seeing the markets do badly and the interest rates stay stubbornly where they are. A guest earlier this week said, you know, the lag between what we've done and the efficacy of what the Fed has already done is months down the road. Maybe they don't need to be so hawkish right now. We don't need 50 basis points. It'll come out in the wash in the next few months. What do you make of that, Craig? Well, I think that's a very logical answer. I actually think it might even be sage advice. The Fed recognizes that the full brunt and the full weight of all of these interest rate hikes that we've endured, they're really starting to hit right about now. And it is for that very reason that the Fed may very well decide, even though the market is now suddenly pricing in a 50 basis point hike on March 22nd, maybe we only go 25 because the Fed doesn't want to overdo things at the end of the day. But I will say this, given a choice between having some form of a mild recession and living with inflation, we need to kill inflation because inflation that becomes embedded and sticks around for the next 10 or 15 years would be far worse than any recessionary pressures that we might feel. Well, I'll take you at your word. You're the expert. But another anecdote, if you will, that came up on yesterday's show was somebody just got back from Vegas. People are lining up to spend money. You go to Oak Brook Mall, people fill in the stores. Restaurants are busy. Americans, if if we are living in, a, in an inflationary cycle right now, there are still plenty of people spending money. So how, how injurious to us are these inflation numbers? You're right. The consumer is so incredibly resilient. And I think that resiliency comes from the confidence that if you want a job, you can absolutely go and get a job. I think that resiliency comes from the fact that people can borrow money on their credit cards, on their home equity lines of credit, etc. And remember, there's still this fear, not this fear, there's still we're coming off that comment of YOLO, you only live once and what my sister-in-law calls revenge travel. You know, people no longer just travel, they revenge travel. They take the bonus trip, the gold standard, they go to places they've never gone before. But at some point in time, that's going to start to wear out. People are going to start being more measured and intentional with the choices they make. And I think we'll see the fruits of that begin to appear in this U.S.-based economy in the fall. But We've said it before together, you never bet against the U.S. consumer. And that's part of the reason here I don't think we're going to have a hard landing. I think we're going to have some bumps along the way. But I think the U.S. consumer is going to continue to surprise most at how resilient we all seem to be. But it does seem more probable this week that the Fed's leaning into 50 rather than 25 basis points. Where would you have them put it? 
So I have to go with the bond market. At the end of the day, people say the bond market is where the smart money is. The bond market has priced in 50 basis points of hikes. I think there's enough ammunition. I think there's enough room for the Fed to go ahead and do that on March 22nd. After all, it's already priced in. But the Fed is also intelligent. The Fed knows that a lot of banks... You know, I'm going to use SV, SVB, the Silicon Valley Bank, is one example. They're probably not the only ones out there who are suffering as a result of how quickly these rates have shot up. And we'll let the Fed sort it out where it needs to be. But the bottom line is some rate hike is actually good. 50 basis points is priced in. And then we'll see what happens when we get around to the next policy meeting in the month of May. So do you like the financials for your portfolio right now? Well, the financials have all gone on sale in the last 48 hours. And I think what you will see as we come into the close today, this Friday, I do think you will see buyers on all of this weakness. You've seen 6 to 7% broad-based destruction in financial stocks in the last 48 hours. I think people are going to start sniffing around and scooping some things up. But I certainly continue to believe that financials are a good place to be. But again, stick with the quality names. Stick with those names that have big, diversified businesses, diversified customer bases. And also continue to look at something we've talked about before on your show, which is I think the healthcare sector is also primed to continue to do well based on age wave demographics. I call them population density studies. You can't go wrong there. No kidding. I mean, I guess, well, that's obvious that we're going to need health care and it's going to generate a lot of receipts. Um, Maybe certain companies or sectors within the healthcare field are already priced out, right? Uh, Maybe they're not going to grow that much, but I I don't know how you could lose betting against healthcare. I just I think that's just right. I mean, again, age wave demographic studies really do matter. I might even say I'm going to say we're actually in the golden era of pharmaceuticals, whether people like to talk about it or not. I mean, take a look at how this concept of semaglutide has become such a game changer for those dealing with weight loss, dealing with type 2 diabetes. I mean, these are generational issues at hand, and I think we're going to continue to see some level, believe it or not, not just of private dollars, but dare I say in the future we could have public and private partnerships moving into additional resources to cure those things that ill far too many. Or at least fund those things. Lisa Dent's been talking about it a lot lately. I mean, there is the dilemma. I'm outraged that they would charge $1,200 a month for that drug. I think I'll invest in that company. But that's the way I think a lot of people feel. (laughs) We all do. I'm sorry. I don't mean to chuckle, but you always have your finger on the pulse of sentiment because that's exactly right. That's how we feel. But I do think actions speak louder than words. And that's why you have to follow where the money is. Right. And right now, the money is continuing to go into what I call the short side of the yield curve. The money is continuing to go into a barbell strategy of what I call super high quality, let's call them great companies of America. And some of those are in the healthcare space. Some of those will be the biggest banks on the planet. And then, of course, the other side of that barbell is no one should ever give up on what I call big technology, because, again, technology 
creates disruption through the process of innovation, and people need to have growth still in their portfolio mm-hmm. in order to cure inflation long term, because inflation is, of course, the silent killer for everybody in retirement. Do people do this or fund managers do this? I'll just mention a couple of companies you didn't, and I don't think you will. But it's kind of boring to then say, all right, I'll put money in Citibank and Walgreens, but I'd really like some outlier, you know, something before everybody else figured it out, even if it was in those areas. Uh, the You know, big banks and big pharmaceutical companies, that's been done before. I, I wonder if people look for something a little sexier or novel, you know. You know, there's always going to be novelty items that are out there. And boy, I almost feel like going back and talking Peter Lynch and Fidelity Magellan, if you remember those days, where people look at what it is they're using inside their ecosystem. But when we talk about that concept, again, of innovation and disruption, I mean, just think of everything that's happening with artificial intelligence, with digital payments, with cryptocurrency, with what I call IoT, the Internet of Things. I mean, I'm not rushing to connect my new refrigerator to my home Wi-Fi, to PayPal, to have Amazon Fresh deliver me creamer as soon as the sensor in the refrigerator tells me it's low. But there's going to be plenty of people that do those things. And I think it's just a matter of following the breadcrumbs within our everyday lives to have that core satellite. The core needs to be, again, broadly diversified great companies of America. But there isn't any reason that people shouldn't spread the chips into some places, assuming it fits within their risk budget. That scenario you described sounds kind of preposterous, but also logical. I more favor the idea that the guy sitting on the sofa, he sees his daughter with a thing. What's the shoe you're wearing? What's the gadget you've got in your hand? And then he invests in that. But the idea that the refrigerator tells you you need a creamer is probably where technology is going and and maybe money, too, huh? I I think it shows you where things are going. I mean, I still believe in the concept of just-in-time inventory, John. When we're out of creamer, I realize it as I'm pouring (laughs) coffee. And as I grab my car keys, I scream (laughs) to Leslie through the house, and I say, do you need anything from the food store as the garage door closes behind me? You know, I'm going to continue to flow in that habit loop. But how many people have all of their even toiletries on auto ship? And I tease people all the time. I'm like, look under your counter. What do you need? 24 unused deodorants. But that's what people are doing. We're creatures of convenience. Craig Bolanos is the co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group. And a fun conversation. Nice to talk to you, Craig. Thanks for your thoughts today. You too. Thanks, John. Lots of text today, especially since our last guest, Craig Bolanos, was talking movies. Big fan of Maverick. He's seen it 193 times or something like that. But some of your comments about why you did not like the movie, we'll get back into this after 1 o'clock, unless Mike Drew wants to take all his time and talk about that. Mike, welcome to the Wintrust Business Lunch. How are you? Good, John. Thanks for having me back. Uh, And uh, I haven't seen a good movie in uh, quite a while, so I'll take my lead from you on that. Okay. Banshees of Inishirin, All Quiet on the Western Front, Top Gun Maverick. You'll enjoy all three of them. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll look for those, John. I'll put them on my schedule. You're a pretty busy guy, though. You're the founding principal of Structured Development, and I'm glad we've got you on because, as I understand it, you are building and supporting affordable, entry-level new home construction. Is that right? <clears throat> yes, John. We are uh, specifically uh, 
we have a development um, called the Seng of Chicago, um, and it is 34 units, uh, all restricted to uh, income-qualified buyer, specifically targeted towards workforce housing. And the income restriction is uh, 120% of the area median income. I see. Where are these homes? Uh, the Sang is located at 853 West Blackhawk. That's in the uh, Clybourne Corridor. It's on the edge of Lincoln Park, uh, just a block south of uh, Halstead and North Avenue. The Sang, S-E-N-G, what does that mean? Well, the Sang is named after a uh, uh, the original owner of the entire block that we purchased and uh, used to uh, develop a $250 million uh, development uh, that will ultimately hold uh, um, over 450 units, uh, including the 34 condominiums on the Seng. The Seng was a the largest furniture hardware manufacturer in the country, and it was located on that block at Dayton and Kingsbury, occupied the entire block and employed over 1,100 people in its prime. So you've taken this area. Did your group purchase it? Who's developing this? This sounds massive. Well, we're developing it. Uh, uh, my company is Structured Development, and we've done uh, about 2 million square feet of development in the area, including the new city development uh, and the British School, to name a couple of projects. This is our most recent. Uh, we've been working on it uh, for a few years now, uh, actually started construction at the end of last year. I think when we last spoke, we were just uh, breaking ground on this development. Uh, um, and the SENG is our on-site uh, ARO compliance, uh, which requires us to develop 70 affordable units, uh, 34 of them, the units on-site in the SENG, and uh, another uh, 40 units off-site in East Garfield Park. What does ARO stand for? It stands for the um, Affordable Residential Ordinance. It is the uh, city's uh, attempt to um, promote uh, both inclusionary and uh, and off-site housing uh, to address the uh, shortage of the affordable housing. Uh, for instance, the SANG is targeted towards workforce housing. If you're a, uh, a family, a working-class family, and you are looking for uh, a affordable housing in a desired neighborhood with good schools, retail, uh, public transportation, that's a heavy lift. It's very hard to find a three- or four-bedroom that will house your family. The Seng has 34 available units, and they include 14 three-bedrooms and seven four-bedroom units. And they go for, if I'm reading correctly, 285000 to 374000 uh, That's correct. Those prices are set based on um, the affordability of housing, uh, based on the maximum income level of the occupants that would, would live in those homes, for instance. Right, right. Uh, are these right. condos or homes? Are they, these are condos, right? 
These are condominiums. Um, they're condominiums that have uh, uh, high-quality finishes, uh, amenities typical of uh, market-rate condominiums, including rooftop terrace, indoor parking space, bike storage, fitness center, etc. So a three-bedroom condo in a desirable neighborhood with new finishes, and it's a new building. Three-bedroom condo in the city for a little over $300,000 is a steal. And that's that's what we're talking about here, right? Well, those those that is the pricing, and yes, it's uh, it's 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 highly desired uh, because it's an opportunity for people to get into stable and secure housing at well below market pricing. Um, as a comparable, John, the the three bedroom in that neighborhood. Uh, right now would uh, uh, would be around um, seven hundred thousand for a three bedroom with uh, secured indoor parking. I, I I quite believe that. So who's is um, <laughs> is somebody subsidizing this? I mean, how is it that you're able to build this and make money, or is the city, state, or federal government helping these people? What what's the math on this? Um, no, actually, it's a very good question, John. The uh, um, uh, the thing is unique in that um, all of the uh, the cost to build the thing uh, was is privately funded, uh, namely uh, uh, our partners, our equity partners, uh, and and our construction lenders. Um, the the way the numbers work is that the cost. Of uh, that are that go into these units, um, less the uh, subsidized or or reduced purchase price, um, is in effect uh, made possible by the uh, market rate homes that are built around them. For instance, uh, one of the buildings that we're building on the site adjacent to the Seng is uh, Post Chicago, which is a 126 unit co-living facility that will have uh, 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 440 beds um, at uh, at a rental rate of uh, just under $1,600 per bedroom. Uh, in addition to that, the tower that's currently under construction called the Foundry is 327 units of market rate rental um, uh, two and uh, studio one and two bedroom units. At market rate, so the value that is uh, uh, enabled by um, the ARO uh, for the zoning change uh, is what underwrites the costs of delivering these ARO units, um, and that is done without any public subsidy. So you're saying you can build these, sell these, rent these, and make money on them. If that's the case, why don't more people develop entry-level housing and capitalize on the $300,000 market? Well, um, uh, for a couple reasons. The, the, uh, the cost that I referenced in developing this project is um, probably well north of 12 to $13 million. That, that's the, the cost between the uh, sales values of these homes and the, um, uh, the cost to deliver them. Um, the reason to your, to your question of why more people aren't doing it is that, that absent any type of um, subsidy or incentive, um, that is 
quite often too great a cost for a project to bear, especially as interest rates uh, increase uh, dramatically and uh, um, mortgage rates uh, uh, increase. It's very hard to find buyers um, to qualify for those. So uh, that's why you don't see as many for sale product. Uh, What has changed is the... um, Recent, as of last year, the incentive on a state level where uh, uh, you are able to uh, have a reduced valuation for your development uh, based on uh, a change in the property tax law, which was, a, uh, which was a good step, absolutely. We're out of time, Mike, but um, are these units all accounted for? If I wanted to purchase one or rent one of them, um, how do I do that? Uh, you would contact the Chicago Housing Trust dot org go to their website uh, and go through the process of getting pre-qualified you can also reach out to a lender during that time Uh, in fact a big thank you to your uh, program sponsor Wintrust Kelly Price uh, will pre-qualify a buyer and uh, put them in touch with us and after uh, their application is approved uh, we'll go to contract ChicagoHousingTrust.org. This is interesting. Mike Drew, founding principal of Structured Development. Mike, thanks for your time today. John, always good to talk to you. And one last shot on your uh, fast joke. Uh, Be nice to your kids. They're the ones who will be choosing your nursing home. (laughs) Yes, I've heard that before. And it's (laughs) it's not only funny, it's sad. Thank you, Mike. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. Appreciate your listening. On the Wintrust Business Lunch, more business news with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. A Chicago startup will get a national audience Friday with an appearance on the ABC reality show Shark Tank. Pluey will showcase its self-sanitizing diaper changing table for public restrooms. The company's founder and CEO and co-founder and COO will pitch their product to the show's investor panel. Both founders are moms and launched Pluey in 2020. They were one of the big winners of the Chicago Innovation Awards last year. The changing table is powered by a UVC light system that turns on when the table is folded and not in use. It can kill 99.9% of germs, bacteria, and viruses. The currently empty former Apple store on Michigan Avenue has landed a new tenant. Retailer H&M will be moving there from its current location about four blocks north. H&M will lease nearly all of the four-story building located at 679 North Michigan, according to Cranes. The publication says it'll be one of the biggest retail leases in recent years for the Mag Mile. The building has been vacant since 2017 when Apple moved to its new building near the Chicago River. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Here's the business of food and Steve Alexander. Thank you, and I'm about to share with you some of the shocking food-related things travelers try to sneak into the country at O'Hare. After, I tell you, we're sponsored by the Chevy Silverado HD. Experience your life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. <laughs> Keeping American agriculture safe is the job of the Customs and Border Patrol, which at O'Hare inspects anything or anybody arriving into the country. That's Corey Everton, the Chief Agriculture Specialist for Customs and Border Patrol at O'Hare. We enforce the laws that govern animal products and plants coming into the country. And you may think it's unfair if the fruit you're bringing back from the tropics that you fell in love with is taken away, but the work these people do is important to keeping our food supply safe. We do that for animal products to prevent animal you know, livestock diseases, plants and seeds, live plants, fruits, that kind of things that would have plant pests, like, like 
uh, insects, uh, fungi, uh, bacterial diseases, viruses, and then uh, weeds. We actually uh, try to keep weeds out of the country. Corey tells me you would not believe some of the things people try to sneak into the country, and a lot of it, despite all of the news about how bad African swine fever would be if it got into the United States, a lot of it is pork. Yes, every day. Every day we take pork. I've had people show up with giant hams in their bags. Everything from that bologna sandwich or the salami sandwich to uh, uh, large pieces of, of, of raw pork fat. And don't get him started on some of the chicken products that he has seen and smelled. Uh, I used to see raw chickens coming in from, from China. They were not in a great shape when they arrived. And then there are some things he says are really head-scratchers. Oh, yeah, lots of six dried rodents coming from Liberia that came in. Uh, there were, some of them were porcupines. They'd been, the spines removed and they'd been smoked. And those are actually not allowed in by the CDC. And if you are traveling overseas and there is some plant or seed or fruit or animal product that you just really want to bring back to the United States... Mostly don't do it. Corey Everton of the CBP, one of the many people at O'Hare keeping our food supplies safe. But let's not forget the dogs. The canine office, uh, teams are, are very important to what we do here at O'Hare. We have actually the most successful canine team in the country. And it is an amazing thing to see. And you can see more about those dogs if you just Google uh, O'Hare Beagle Brigade. You'll see a lot of nice uh, pictures of these puppies and the work that they do. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. So the Trinity Irish dancers are dancing downtown Chicago on Saturday and a Palatine on Sunday and the parade on the northwest side. And you can see them tonight throughout Chicago, 730. They're going to be at Dirty Nellie's and Palatine. They'll be at Harp and Fiddle after that and then over to the Irish American Heritage Center. So a really busy day for the Trinity Irish dancers. So let's just take a minute of the time of Deidre Kiley, who is the uh, who is with Trinity Irish Dancers. Hey, Deidre, it's John. Congratulations in advance. Hi, John. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. How many young ladies? Is it, it's ladies and men. Uh, tell me a little bit about the troupe. Yeah, we have a good mix of kids. We have over 600 um, dancers in the school altogether. Um, so we'll be performing all throughout Chicago for the next couple of weeks and Madison and Milwaukee also. Um, the troupe are very, very busy. We have hundreds of shows coming up. Um, we started last weekend and there was a couple of parades last weekend. Now, as you just shouted out there, we have our parades coming up this weekend. Um, Downtown Parade and Palestine Parade on, on Sunday's North West Side Parade. Um, yeah, we've got lots of school performances and some bar performances as well. So lots of opportunities to catch us over the next couple of weeks. If people want to find you or maybe join you, do they just go to your website, trinityirishdance.com? Yeah. yeah. That's the one, trinityirishdance.com. That's our website. We're actually on all um, social media platforms as well, Trinity Irish Dancers. And you'll get all the dates and times of our classes, and you can actually register for a free trial um, class on that um, website as well. And there's also an event page on our website um, if you want to know more about where we're performing over the next couple of weeks. TrinityIrishDance.com. TrinityIrishDance.com. Trinity That's the one, yes.
Our best to everybody in the organization. I know you've got a busy day. I'll let you get to it. We're going to join the news now, but we'll keep pushing TrinityIrishDance.com. Deidre, thanks. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Have a great St. Patrick's Day.